So today we're going to add to it. We're going to add another layer to it. It's eight weeks. They all play off each other. All right. Jesus started the Beatitudes. By the way, the Beatitudes. He said these are the character traits of a believer, of a follower of my will. And he started with the blessed and poor in spirit. So here's a quick recap before we get into this week. Look, Jesus told us that blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about last week that if we're going to to be set free from anything, we gotta come out of denial. That there's no freedom if we're just pretending that it's not there. Just trying to, you know, pretend it's not there, you know. But the first step to freedom is to come out of denial and to cry out to God. The poor in spirit says, God, I exhausted all my options, like you just heard. What a powerful testimony from Jeff today that when you step out of (laughs) denial, you cry out to God. We talked about healing comes in a support system. God said it's not good for man to be alone. The healing process happens when you are connected to other godly believers, godly friends, godly mentors. And for some of you, it's, it's a godly spiritual counselor. Sometimes some things are so deep that we need to go there. We need to go to professional counseling to find healing. Can you say amen? So we're going to add to this today. And please pay attention that they play off each other. The next thing that Jesus said in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 3, it says this. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And this is where we're going to spend our time today. Verse 4. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Please, can I encourage you to take notes? There are some specific things that God will say that is specifically for you. That you need to sit with during a week to digest it and say, okay, God, how do you want me to apply this? Because what you don't want to be is a hero of the word. You want to be a doer. Heard a great quote today, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. He said, if hearers were better, sermons would be better. In other words, what kind of soil are you that the word is about to be deposited? Blessed are those who mourn. I'm going to jump right into this talk and tell you that being poor in spirit leads to mourning. You don't mourn without first being poor in spirit. Mourning is not even on your radar if you don't first understand, I've exhausted all my options. I need to cry out to God. See, my friends, catch this because this is what we're going to spend a lot of time digesting is that grief and pain are blessings in disguise. Grief and pain are blessings in the skies. Those who properly mourn will find the blessing in the skies when it comes to their grief and their pain. Are you tracking? Here's why this is so important. Without proper mourning, a hurt becomes an identity. Without proper mourning, a hurt becomes an identity. We begin to identify ourselves by that past hurt, that hang up, or that addiction. 
if we don't properly mourn to be comforted. Worst is that without properly mourning, a hurt becomes an identity and we become victims. Because now you're identifying yourself by a hurt as opposed to identify yourself by being who God called you to be. Mourning is critical to healing properly in life. Better yet, mourning is what happens when we fully realize that we are not in control of our lives. It's a powerful step in the direction of healing so you don't become victim to the hurt that you're facing. God says this through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61, God says this, go ahead. He said, to whom, to all who mourn in Israel, and I told you, when you read scriptures, you can take a certain place or a certain name and put yourself in there because God's word is for you. To all who mourn in New Bedford, to all who mourn in Forever, and I'm going to prophesy to all who mourn in Brockton, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, watch this, they will be like great oaks. He's saying, God says, I'm going to plant you deep and you're going to be strong. You're going to be rooted and grounded in me that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Amen. Proper mourning leads to healing. Can you say amen? amen? I want to remind you today, my friends, that pain is God's antidote for denial. John Baker said this, Baker is the founder of Celebrate Recovery, a powerful ministry that's been going on for over 30 years now. We use this ministry as part of our Freedom Crew. For all of you guys who've been through Freedom Crew, you know how powerful it is to go through the steps of celebrating recovery. And I want to remind you that the great C.S. Lewis told us that pain is God's megaphone. It's his way of getting our attention. That God doesn't necessarily cause you pain, but God is an expert in redeeming you, but he redeems you through pain, not outside of pain. We did a, a talk on this called The Purpose of Pain. I would encourage you to look it up on our YouTube channel or our podcast to, to get some perspective on pain. But I want to add another layer to pain today by telling you that pain is the fire alarm in our lives. Please catch this. Pain points to a problem, but a lot of times we are focusing on the tip of the problem, not on the root of the problem. The fire alarm, the noise is not the point. The noise is something's wrong in the house. See, if you don't recognize that, you will yell at the fire alarm and do nothing about the fire. I'm not talking about a fire in your house. I'm talking about a fire in your soul. Pain comes to trigger you to say, wake up. Something is not right in this house that we call a spiritual house. My friends, if we're going to properly mourn, we have to learn to lean into the pain. And let it teach you things that you will never learn on vacation. When we properly mourn, you will refuse to play the blame game. 
Those who properly mourn will refuse to play the blame game because they don't want to be lame in the blame game. Be lame, blame game, be lame. Don't be lame in the blame game. Blame game leads you to be lame. Don't be lame in the blame game. You, can always, you always know when someone is not ready for healing when they're still pointing fingers. We're too busy passing the baton as opposed to properly mourn. Now you have to understand the word mourning that Jesus uses here is heavy. It's the strongest word in the Greek used here for mourning the dead, like losing a loved one. It's lamenting over the one you love. But it's deeper than that. It's weeping for the condition of the individual and sometimes for the condition of society. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem, the Bible says he wept bitterly because he saw the condition of their souls. And he says, man, how long have I been trying to gather you? My friends, you know you have the heart of Jesus when you look at our society and it breaks your heart over how far we are from the will and the purpose of God. It breaks your heart to see a nation that was, that was built on the foundations of the faith and now we're moving farther and farther away from it. It's not time to judge, it's time to mourn, it's time to weep and it's time to pray to God. That's what mourning does, he brings perspective. Better yet, it's when you begin to mourn over the condition of your own soul. See my friends, sin is missing the mark. And when we miss the mark, there is a ripple effect. I think we can all agree that it's awesome to hear Jeff's testimony today, but if, if, if I can bring him up here right now and say, wait, wait, what about the effects though? That's the part of mourning that we have to understand that yes, God forgives, God restores, but there's an effect of sin that lingers. And if we don't properly mourn, their effects will continue to come, try to come back and try to lure you back and try to pull you back and try to push you back. But in the name of Jesus, you come to say, hell no, like he set me free and I needed to move forward in this morning. I hate to say this to you, but I wanna, I wanna be honest with you and tell you there was always gonna be a residue of the past trying to creep back in. There is gonna be always a residue of your imperfections, always a residue of your shortcomings that tries to creep back in. And when you properly mourn, you put things in the right place. You see, godly sorrow is, is another word for mourning. The Bible says it's, it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. In other words, there is a place for dealing with the hurts and disappointments in a way that propels you forward, that you don't stay in place. But you have to properly mourn to get to that place. Here's how Paul puts it. Paul says it this way, in, in, in Corinthians he says, for the kind of sorrow of the mourning, God wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But godly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. If you're not understanding what this means, let me break it down for you this way. I, I, I used to 
be part of, of, a, of, a, of a high school, and once in a while, I would be called into the office to handle some, some, some disciplines with these teenagers. And, 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 and one of my things I would always go to every single time, I don't care what that kid is saying, my question is always, are you sorry you got caught, or are you sorry for what you did? That's the difference between godly sorrow and, 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 and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is remorse. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow is, I'll never do it again until no one's around. Godly sorrow is, Father, not only do I never want to do it again, I need you to empower me so that I don't go backwards. I want to go forward in your will, in your purpose. So there's a difference. Because, listen, it's a mature word. Just coming to church and getting emotional does not mean you're going to get a breakthrough. Just because you cry doesn't mean you repented. That tear has to be attached to repentance. Because tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and go, oh, I guess I'm good. And here you are being lured again by the same brokenness. See, those who mourn, this is a mature word now, those who mourn can know something special about God that you don't get unless you learn to mourn properly. Those who mourn will get special revelation from God. There's an intimacy that develops only through mourning. There's a connection, there's a harmony that happens that it it won't happen if all you do is show up to a church service. Let me prove it to you. Paul the Apostle says this about this in, in Ephesians. Go ahead, go to the next scripture. It says this in Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now watch this. I want to suffer with him. That's mourning. Sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Did you catch that? Paul was like, man, in order for me to fully understand the resurrection of the dead, I first must go first to the crucifixion to get the resurrection. And there's no crucifixion without first mourning at the foot of the cross to realize the effects and the power of sin that no longer has power over me, but I won't understand that if I want to bypass the cross to get to the resurrection. That's the temptation we all face. Hey, give me the resurrection, but without the cross. And we wonder why we're always shallow. We'll keep coming back to Jesus like he's just here to fix us up instead of transforming us. So you see why God continues to put crosses in our way? Because the journey is through, not around it. See, there's a closeness to Jesus that only comes through understanding proper mourning. Not quick fixes. Microwave society. Give it to me quickly so I can go. Like, like as, if, as if God is your butler. Some people pray, you think God is their butler. No, God is, is God. And he's never in a rush. And... God doesn't buy into in your temper tantrums. When we're throwing a tantrum, 
you're by yourself. You don't believe me, go read the scriptures. Every time his people throw a tantrum, he's like, are you done? Elisha threw a tantrum, God, I'm the only one. He's like, no, you ain't. That's your emotion speaking. I got 7,000 more like you. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get over spiritual. God, I'm the only one who is seeking you. I was like, really? Out of the whole universe, you're it. Because, because our feelings distorts the reality of situation. So I'm going to give you a mature word right now. This might make you not come back next week. If you came in here today talking about like, I just want God to quick fix me, man, you're going to be disappointed. Because you're still on the throne of your life. See, we're all talking about the symptoms of hurt. We're not talking about the root of the hurt. We're talking about the addiction, but we haven't talked about the addiction to self that leads to addiction to drugs and abuse and alcohol. We're talking about past hurts, but you're still on the throne of self. Because of you, you're still you, and still you will always be you. <laughs> you plus you equals you. Every time. There's steps to grieving. There's steps to mourning. Psychologist tells us you got to go through these steps. They're very spiritual, they're very powerful because we're not just talking about mourning the, the loss of a loved one. It's mourning the loss of a relationship. Listen, if you don't properly mourn a relationship, you will take that relationship with you to the next one. Now, now you broke up with Johnny and you got with Matt, but, but you're like, Matt's driving you crazy, why? Be not because of Matt, because you brought Johnny with you to Matt. No, I'm not playing. It's the reason why a lot of us are stuck. You're not seeing the person for who they are in front of you. Why? Because you're seeing them through the lenses of the last relationship that you never recovered from. Some of y'all are coming from a different church. The problem is, if you don't mourn properly that season that God had you on, then you're going to come to this church and bring the same baggage that you had at the other church, and then you're going to talk about the same things that happened at the other church, but the devil is a liar. You're in a different season, a different community, a different place. It's how people ruin jobs. Go into a job that you prayed for. But you didn't mourn the last one, and here you are struggling with the very same thing that you prayed for. Some of y'all didn't mourn properly how you were raised, and now your kids are paying a price. There's always the alarm, and then there's the issue. We need to get to the issue. That takes going through the proper stages of grieving and mourning. If not, you will always be a victim to a past hurt. Watch this, psychologists say, this is the, this is, this is the steps, and they're very spiritual, they're very powerful. We all start here. We start in a stage of mourning here in denial and isolation. That's why we spent so much time last week talking about well, you gotta first come out of denial. When something terrible happens to you, you want to reject that loss or that pain. You want to pretend it's not there. You, you wanna find ways to hide it. 
And depending on your personality, we do that in different ways. It could be jumping to another relationship. It could be, you know, going to another bar. It could be going to another church. Like, we, we always running. But that thing comes with you. I've told you this many times. I've heard many people say, I can't wait to leave New Bedford. Yes, wherever you go, you're right there. How many people have left New Bedford, but New Bedford came with them? By the way, I love this city. I believe in the power of God over this place. Listen, you got to come out of denial. It happened. It happened. You got hurt. You got disappointed. You failed. You messed up. Someone backstabbed you. Someone wronged you. Someone who said, I will never leave you, left you. It hurt. But that's where it starts. It's being honest. When God says, where are you? Here I am, hurt, broken, frustrated, angry, resentful. That's where it starts. Because when you acknowledge it, then you have a chance to go from bitter to better. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? The second step is anger. Thank you. Someone's with me. Yeah, where's my bottle? I'm angry. Feed me. Anger is, 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 this, is this perception that it is unfair what I'm going through. If God is good, why am I going through this? If God's good, why did this happen? That's the anger, and it's, and it's, and it's real. We, don't, we can't skip over it because the thing is, no matter what you're doing, when you haven't dealt with it, that anger always comes out. Can we be honest for a second? Have you ever lost it on your child and they had nothing to do with them? Have you ever lost it on your spouse and your spouse didn't do anything? You ever gone to work and you lost it and they're like, what happened? There's something deeper that you haven't dealt with and it comes out of nowhere. We think we're fine until we get triggered. My friends, here is where proper mourning helps you go from this is unfair to God. Help me see the angle of the blessing in disguise in this situation and circumstance because you are an expert in taking bad things and turning them around for good for those who love you. I, I need your help here because it doesn't make sense to me. Then sometimes we get stuck here in bargaining. By the way, you, you, you have to pinpoint where you are. This is like at the mall where you are here. Bargaining, my friends, is what we do when we're trying to regain control of a situation or circumstance. The way we bargain sometimes is, is, is this way. God, if, if, if you just come through for me here, then, then I'm going to do this. Now we're playing, we're playing, we're playing, we're gambling with God. You ever been there? Listen, God, if you do this, I'm going to go to church every week. If you do this, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tithe God. Like I'm really going to go all out as if, as if God is here to play deals with us. 
Problem is, then God becomes a vending machine as opposed to the God of the universe who governs us, who leads us, who loves us, who is for us, even when we're against ourselves, even when we don't see it, that God's like, I'm not here to bargain with you. You will never know the fullness of my will for you when you're still thinking that this is a bargaining chip. But it's our attempt, our feeble attempt to somehow regain control, to feel like, the scary thing about this is, it's religious, it's subtleties, it's the way you pray. You're not praying to God, you're praying to yourself. You're not really worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself, you're just putting God in the name of it. Like, it's like, it's like the people who thank God at the award show, but all these songs was about killing and murdering and raping and abuse. Okay, y'all ain't ready. It's like, no, no, that's not God you're thinking, you're thinking yourself. Because God's like, I didn't go cite any of those songs, like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Maybe down here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My friends, when we don't deal with it, it we get here to depression. Depression, basically, it's, it's, it's that full weight of sadness, like everything I'm doing is not working. I'm done. I give up. I got nothing else. And then, and then if we don't properly mourn, now we identify ourselves with depression. It becomes a state. But here, my friends, properly, proper mourning leads you to what Scripture says, that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning to those who properly mourn through their struggles. God is faithful to not leave you in that state. The enemy thought he had you. This is where you have to testify and say, no, I refuse to stay here. I got a word for somebody today. If you're going through hell, the key is don't stop. You got to go ahead. You got to go through it. You got to keep pushing. In the words of a great theologian, you got to keep swimming. Just keep swimming. My friends, we all want to get here to acceptance. But see, we want to jump from here to here. We want to get to acceptance. We want to come to terms with what happened. We can't change it. We want to come to terms with the fact that someone betrayed you and they said they would be with you forever and they left you. You got to come to terms with the fact that the community you were part of before, things blew up. It didn't go the way you thought it was going to go and here you are. You got to come to terms with the fact that, that the thing that you were holding on to, the job that you thought was going to be the thing, it's not it. You got to come to terms with the reality that life throws curveballs at you. This, my friends, is where we properly mourn and embrace God as the one who comforts us. But you don't get there by missing steps. If we don't properly mourn our past hurts, hangups, and addictions, we will be defined by them. And here's the thing, life has a way of like burst through our denials. Life will come at you like, like all of a sudden there's a crisis. Out of nowhere. And now you're left with, okay, what do I do now? Well, it's time to acknowledge that I need to go through mourning. Because that's a denial buster. You don't understand what I'm trying to say is, in the natural, it's a crisis. In the supernatural, it's an opportunity. 
Here's a tough one. But we're all big boys, right? And big girls. Let's be politically correct. And days. <laughs> okay. The second denial buster is confrontation. I'm gonna tell you something, you're gonna to have to sit with this to see the truth in it. If you have someone in your life that can call you out for your junk, you have a good friend. Someone, listen, if someone cares deep enough to put themselves in the line of fire, knowing that this might backfire, man, that's a friend that I need on my corner to tell me the truth and not lie to me. If I'm digging my grave, I don't want you to shovel with me. Like sometimes you need someone to come and say, hey, like prophet Nathan did to King David. For a year, David was living in sin, never confessed his sin of sleeping with the woman that wasn't his wife. Prophet Nathan shows up and says, I got a story for you. There's this poor man who had a lamb and this king came and took his lamb away from him and slaughtered it. What would you do, king, if this man lived in your kingdom. He says, man, bring me that man right now. I'll bring justice. He said, king, you are that man. It took a year for the king to repent because someone had to have guts to tell him the truth. I pray today the Holy Spirit is quick in you to say, it's time to repent. It's time to come clean. It's time to confront the very thing that's holding you back. Instead of getting mad at the people, get mad at that, at that past hurt. Get mad at their hang up. Get mad at that addiction and do something about it. Because sometimes it leads to the third denial buster with this catastrophe. Sometimes now all hell has to break loose. I was talking to someone this week. I said, isn't it crazy? One decision can jeopardize your entire future. Just one. David didn't know that that day, that one decision was going to jack up his family for the next 15 to 20 years. See, we all know David who killed the Goliath, but we don't know the David who was killed by lust and his generation to come. Because sometimes it has to go there. And I pray is that we're more aware of what God's doing so we don't have to go there. Can you say amen? Because sometimes God will let you feel the weight until you release yourself to him. I love the way the message puts this passage because the message is a paraphrase. It says it this way. It says, look, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You, 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 see, you see this? The thing you, you, you are holding on to is the very thing that can bring you to the one that can hold on to you. That's what it means to mourn properly, is to get to the place of realizing, man, there's someone who wants to hold me and lead me and not forsake me. But you see, the struggle for us is that we need to get the proper truth of who this God is. This is, this is the hardest part as I, as I prepare 
pray for you, is that a lot of times our understanding of God is distorted. Even if you grew up in church, even if you know all the Bible verses, it doesn't mean you really know God. So if we're going to mourn properly and get to the one who embraced you, you got to know who is this guy? Who is this God who embraces you? Who is he really? And it starts with the, the cliche thing. The first thing is to realize that God exists. Why do we have cliches? Because they're so powerful and true. We don't know how else to put them. Hebrews 11.6, watch this, God exists, go ahead, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to, to come to him, believe that God exists and that he what? He rewards those who what? Sincerely seek him, not bargain with him. God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And he rewards them with his presence first. See, that's with his presence, then comes the presence. We want to go right for the presence. You see, there's a cause and effect in creation that we can't deny. Everything has a cause and an effect. To every effect there's a cause. Science class, just for a little bit. Reason why I'm bringing this up is because the, the, the struggle of understanding that this God is real, I see it right now, it's the struggle between faith and science. Which it shouldn't be a, a struggle at all. They are cousins, first cousins, like from West Virginia. If you're watching from West Virginia, uh, I'm sorry, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't, I don't understand this battle of, like, nowadays, the, 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 the buzzword is, it, it's science. Yeah, it is. But it doesn't mean science gives you the answers to everything. Because not everything could be checked in a lab. And, and the worst thing we can do is, is get caught up on the argument of God existence and try to prove it. Because this is not something you can prove or disprove. The Bible is not even trying to make you believe that God exists. The God, Bible assumes that you know that there's a God. I woke up the other day with this, with this thought, right? I, I, go ahead and put up that image for me. Look, look, this is where we are. We're here. And I woke up, I don't know why, but my, my thought was like, man, we're here. Suspended in the air, in the milk galaxy, surrounded by thousands upon thousands of stars and moons and planets and we only know 4% of it. 96% of it is black holes and things that we're like, we have no idea, but guess what? We know all the answers. <laughs> By the way, I woke up thinking, oh my God, we're like, we're like traveling a thousand miles an hour. No wonder we're dizzy sometimes. The whole thing is moving and we have this, this weird thing where we are really dependent on this other thing called the sun to get our, our, our energy and it's located just right. If it was a little bit too high, it would be too cold to live. If it would be too, too, too low, it would be too hot to live. It's like purposely put there, placed there to give life and energy and source of everything that makes life existing and we go, <laughs> we, we just got here. 
You have to understand that when we talk about faith, we're talking about faith is the substance of things you hope for, evidence of things you don't see. And to say that all of this came out of nothing, that's a lot of faith. So it's not a matter of who has faith. The question is, what is your faith in? Because I love science. It complements faith. It doesn't, it doesn't go against faith. Science, to me, puts language to what faith is. So why waste our energy trying to convince someone that God is real or not real? My friends, God is an entity that exists outside of the realms of a lab. Matter of fact, I would say 90% of what we do in life cannot put into a lab. When was the last time you, 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 you said to someone, man, I'm in love, man, I just, I just proposed, and they're like, let's go to a lab, let's go test it if you're really in love. <laughs> let's put that on a microscope. My favorite definition of God is this. God is a reality known, felt, and experienced. God, God is a reality known, felt, and experienced. That it's impossible for all of this to just be an accident or mistake. Not to talk about your bodies, the way your body works. Not to talk about consciousness. When was the last time you found your cat meditating on the meaning of life? They don't have consciousness. They're not thinking about purpose and meaning and understanding. Why? Because they weren't created in the image and likeness of God. So let's not waste precious energy trying to prove or disprove something. Because when you have a reality that is known, felt, and experienced, you don't spend time arguing about the ingredients. That's a word. Imagine going out to dinner with someone and you sit there to eat a meal and they broke down all the ingredients and then left untouched and left. I'm like, aren't you hungry? And that's how people argue about against the existence of God. They're hungry for meaning and purpose and righteousness because they can't eat. They just think it can't be real, but all the ingredients are there. It's up to you. Do you want to eat? Because the Bible says, taste and know that the Lord is good. No wonder you're mad. You're hungry. I want to say it again, God is the reality known, felt, and experienced. And you know what blows my mind about this picture? What Psalmist says, he says, when I consider the wonders of the universe and all that you've created, who am I that you're mindful of me? That blows my mind because it's so true, right? It's like, man, you, like there's galaxies upon galaxies, planets and moons and stars, and we are a little dot. And somehow he cares. And how do I know why he cares? Because the little nuances, the little touches, the little things, the subtleties of how God makes sure he's pointing himself to you blows my mind on how personal he is, how intimate he is, and how he made a way for you to be here today. You thought it was your idea. That blows my mind. Who are we that you're mindful of us? Well, we are his favorite creatures. You matter to him. That's this God that we're talking about. See, our struggle is to, is to get to the place of realizing by experience who this God is. Not by head knowledge. What kind of God is he? Do I really matter to him? See, here's our struggle. You're going to have to go home and wrestle with this one. God created us in his image and then we return the favor. We act like 
He, we're God. So we say things like, if I was God, he's like, thank God you ain't God, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm at a place in my life, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40. Hello, somebody. Feel good, though. Highly blessed, favorite, all those good christian stuff. <laughs> I don't know about you, I'm at a place in my life now that I thank God that he didn't answer all my prayers because he knows better than me. Uh, y'all, that's, that's the word. You know you've crossed over from religion to experience when you look back and go, my God, if you would have answered that prayer, I would have married the wrong dude. Oh, y'all ain't ready. Like, if you were God, you would have been in trouble. Because you thought you knew. This is why Jesus says, listen, it's not your idea of God. It's the reality of who he is that matters. What matters is the truth of who he truly is, not what you conjure up in your mind that he is. This is why Jesus says, hey, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you from what, though? From you. From you. God is not, listen, this, this is a deep word. God is not your earthly father. Our first projection of God is by our earthly father because we say father, we automatically equate it to our earthly fathers and he's not that. For some of y'all, that's a trigger when you say earthly father because of the relationship you had. And that's something you need to mourn properly because if not, your kids are gonna pay a price. He's not your earthly father, he's better than that. Until we understand his true nature, you won't trust him. I got to rush here. Are you guys good? Can I, can I keep going a little bit more here? Listen, not only does he exist, you matter to him, but he knows about your situation. You, the little blip on this thing. That's what blows my mind. He knows about your situation. You know the hardest thing about preaching is? Is what to leave out. So much I want to share with you. That I try, to, I try to come up with one scripture for each point, but, but man, we can spend hours on God knows about your situation. Let me give you one example. Watch this. Psalm 31 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. We can pretend all we want, but when we put our heads on the pillow, he knows you're hurting. And I want to come into that hurt. I want to come into that addiction. I want to come into that hang up. See, God cares about your situation. And most importantly, God has the power to change your situation. Paul prayed this prayer, and I'm praying this prayer over us. He said this in Ephesians. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor of God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available to you. The thing is though, you have to understand how God's power works. See, the way God's power works is sometimes God changes you, but not the situation. And sometimes God changes the situation, 
through changing you. So worship, you can come. The key, my friends, this is gonna be the theme throughout the series, is to plug in to God's power. It's not enough to know. Listen, it's not enough. A lot of people say this, I believe in God. It's like, yeah, but are you plugged into his power? This is not head knowledge, my friends. Plugging into the power is like, it's like I told you, you can have this thing, but if this thing is not charged, it means nothing. You got a phone, yes, but can you use it? <laughs> you got to be like my wife, man, every night, religiously, she plugs this thing in. I'm the dummy that forgets and go in the morning, uh, it's not working. got to plug in to the power of God's spirit to break past hurts, hang-ups, and addictions. I love the scripture. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version just to try to bring fresh revelation to it. The Bible says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of, can you say it like you mean it, of? And of what? Love. And of? And? Y'all are okay Catholics. Y'all are very good. Watch this though. This, this personal discipline is abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Isn't that what we want? I call this the triple header, the triple power, right? It's power, love, and sound mind that God wants for us. The, po- the word power is the word dunamis in Greek. You know what the word dunamis means in English? Dynamite. In other words, it's power to blow stuff up. <laughs> I want to blow up that addiction. I want to blow up that past mistake. I want to blow up the hang up. I want to blow up that, that denial. I want to blow up that relationship. I want to blow up that mindset. I want to blow up everything that is holding you back. And why do you use dynamite? To make a way for something else to come. Dynamite, power. The rest of y'all should, should take your cues and stand up and get some dynamite. Just stand. I don't need dynamite. I'm good where I am. I'm. <laughs> but it's love. You know the word love there is? Agape. It's unconditional love. It says, man, I want to fill you with power to blow stuff up. I want to fill you with love so that you can have the proper understanding of who you are. Because why are we addicted? Because we don't love ourselves properly. Do you understand that? That's a deep word. Do you know why you keep getting into a wrong relationship? Because you don't love yourself right enough to see a knucklehead in front of you. That love there is what Jesus said. He said, hey, this journey is about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love your... How are you going to love your neighbor well if you don't love yourself well? He says, man, I want to fill you with love so you stop living with that past judgment of yourself. Because a, a healthy understanding of love leads to a healthy relationships. And then he says, sound judgment. I love this one. He says, listen, I want your mind to operate on a level of clarity. When you're hurt, you're not thinking straight. 
You're emotional. You're addicted, forget it. Your mind is clouded. You're, you're, you're in a fog. Where, when there's a hang up, you can have a good day. You see that person you haven't moved on from and your mind goes back to a cloud. It says, man, I want to remove the cloud. I want to give you clarity. You know how much we need clarity right now? In a very convoluted world, everybody is, is just so loud and everybody's so here. And my friends, let me tell you something. Sound mind will keep you for becoming part of the noise in our world. There's a lot of people adding to the noise, man. Social media, it's just noise. Hey, you want to clear mind, some of y'all? Easy step, get away from social media and watch your mind begin to clear. Watch your mind begin to see things for what they really are. You have a clear mind. You have no FOMO, no fear of missing out. You're not missing out on nothing. But you're plugging in. This is my favorite part of service, by the way. It's when we make room for you to plug in. There's so many chargers up here. Just gotta come and plug in. It's the most powerful moment. It's when you say, God, I'm coming towards you. I'm going to plug into your power, your love, and your sound mind. Morning doesn't happen like this. Morning happens in steps. For some of y'all, you need to come and say, it's time I come out of denial. For some of y'all, you're like, God, this anger has become an identity. What's your step today? I don't know where you are, but... When he says, where are you? It's your job to respond to where you are and where you want to be. And like we did last week, we're going to do a song. I'm going to invite you to come. Take a step of faith. You don't have to kneel. You can stand. You don't have to stand. You can roll. I don't care how you come. I don't know how you plug in your phone. Just plug it in. All right? And then we're going to pray together. I'm going to come back and we're going to pray because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in breakthroughs. I believe in healings. I believe in miracles. I believe that God exists. And every you words those who earnestly, sincerely seek him. Bring your best and God will bring his best. Come on, let's worship. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.